chapter 12 breast pumps and other technologies summary just as healthcare professional must base recommendations for use of breast pumps on various factors the same holds true for the temporary use of other breastfeeding technologies too often a breastfeeding mother may see a device advertised as an aid to breastfeeding and assume that she needs to use it if she then attempts to do so with thoroughly, without thoroughly understanding its risks and benefits, actual and presumed, she could unwittingly interfere with the lactation course and the baby's ability to breastfeed. This is particularly true if the mother obtains the device from a person or institution that lacks a specialist in la- specialist, lacks a specialist in lactation management. Nipple shields are the devices most apt to be used when they are not necessary in part because of their wide availability and in part because of their attractiveness in busy hospitals and practices where healthcare workers offer the devices because they appear to make the baby nurse. Thus, when a healthcare provider considers offering the device to a mother, careful instructions and emphasis on temporary nature of the use of the device must accompany it. Feeding tubes, feeding tube devices are more complex and therefore potentially more off-putting than other either breast shells or nipple shields. Mothers who insist on using these devices because they are convinced that their own milk supplies are inadequate to support appropriate infant growth need careful follow-up. Too often, the mother misinterprets the instructions or reads only enough to know how to put the device together and clean it. The manner in which the device should be used is rarely completely understood from the single reading of the instructions that accompany the device. Healthcare providers or counsellors who recommend the inappropriate use of feeding tube devices can potentially interrupt the breastfeeding relationship or cause further problems. In addition, observation and assessment of the mother and infant as they breastfeed both with and without the devices is necessary if the healthcare provider is to make appropriate recommendations for optimal outcome. In most cases, the nature of the problem that requires assistance of a feeding tube device is that the mother's anxiety level is higher is high and the need to provide additional nutrition for the baby is critical. The lactation consultant, nurse or other healthcare worker can expect that working with such a mother and baby will be time consuming and will require many more hours of follow-up time than is the course for other, case for other situations. In all cases where any breastfeeding device or pump is used, the benefits of such a technology must be weighed against the risks of interfering in breastfeeding relationship. Anticipating the emotional response of mothers to devices and discussing them in a straightforward manner will assist the healthcare provider in determining whether to, whether and when to suggest a particular technology, as well as how to de- help the mother stop using it when there, it is no longer necessary. As with all other care, the use of breastfeeding device of any kind must first be found to do no harm. Key Concepts Examples of mothers using a device to remove milk from the breasts are cited in the medical literature as early as the mid-1500s. Historically, devices, a variety of devices were typically used to relieve engorgement or to express milk because of damaged nipples or mastitis. Today, women express breast milk on a short-term basis to solve acute problems, but they also pump on a long-term basis to provide human milk for their babies following a preterm birth or during periods of employment illness. Induced lactation or relactation. Mothers list the following criteria as important when they are choosing a breast pump. 1. Quick and effective removal of milk. 2. Comfortable and easy to use. 3. Reasonably, reasonably priced. and 4. Easy to find and clean. To increase pumping efficiency, mothers use two techniques. 
one elicitation of the milk ejection reflex before pumping and two massage of the breast whilst pumping research and literature from the dairy industry support both techniques other factors that contribute to pumping effective efficiently efficiency rather include using relaxation techniques and visual imagery when applying warm moist heat to the breasts before and during pumping to avoid breast or nipple injury it is recommended that pump the pump be removed as soon as the milk stops flowing consider considering the bewildering array of breast pumps in the marketplace today a caregiver recommending one to a new mother should give a specific name and several places to find it prices vary considerably depending upon where a pump is purchased when expressing milk the device used must be efficient enough to activate prolactin and oxytocin release the volume of milk expressed is also related to the to the degree of fullness of the breast with a fuller breast yielding more milk volume when pumped full breasts tend to take less time to achieve the milk ejection reflex with less full breasts taking up to 120 seconds stage 3 of lactogenesis is dependent on early and regular stimulation of the nipple and regular removal of milk from the breasts lactogenesis 2 occurs in the absence of milk removal but lactogenesis 3 can be inhibited without regular milk removal the amount of milk produced depends on the rate at which the breast is emptied a breast pump does not pump suck or pull out milk out of the breast it reduces resistance to the milk outflow from the alveoli allowing the internal pressure of the breast to push out the milk Enar Egnar was a pioneer in breast pump design and based his design on research from the dairy industry he designed a pump that created a periodic and limited phases of negative pressure that operated in four phases per cycle. Many pump manufacturers still use Egnell's pressure settings as a guide in current breast pump design. W. G. Whittlestone found that providing a comprehensive compressive force to the breast from a liner inside the pump flange enhanced the dynamics of milk expression. This compression is allogenous to a baby's tongue and dual compressing the teat between the tongue and the hard palate during the suction cycle. Some pumps currently offer a soft flange that collapses over the teat when suction is applied, whereas others offer a hard plastic flange or an insert or liner that is intended to serve the same purpose. Breast pumps are divided into three broad classifications. One, manual and hand pumps. Two, battery operated pumps. And three, electric pumps. Manual hand pumps are easy to find, easy to use and inexpensive. Some are more effective than others in expressing milk. These pumps are typically used on a short-term occasional basis. The hand and wrist can tire easily when with repeated use. Because of nipple pain and low milk yields, the old-fashioned bicycle horn pump is not recommended. Battery-operated pumps use small motor to create a vacuum that is usually adjustable. Most of a button that the mother presses to release the vacuum in a rhythmic pattern to stimulate the rhythm of a bit nursing baby. These pumps are lightweight, easy to find and easy to use and are relatively inexpensive but have a disadvantage of a short battery life. Some have AC adapters. The time each pump takes to achieve optimal suction varies and those that require up to 30 seconds can cause nipple pain. 
Electric pumps include some models that are small and semi-automatic and use a small motor to create a vacuum that is adjustable. Most have an open hole in the flange that the mother covers and uncovers with her finger to create a rhythmic pattern to stimulate the rhythm of a nursing baby. These pumps are moderately priced and most can do double pumping. An automatic electric pump are designed to cycle pressure rather than maintain it. Pressure setting parameters are established to mimic nursing infant. Pumps are now designed with adjustable cycling rates of up to 120 cycles per minute. Vacuum pressure adjusts from 250 mmHg. These pumps are considered the most effective of all pumps and use, a double, use double collection kits. They cost more and are heavier than handheld counterparts. All automatic electric pumps and some of the smaller semi-electric pumps Offer, a double offer double collection kits that allow both breasts to be pumped simultaneously. Research has shown that prolactin levels are significantly higher and maximum milk yield occurs when double pumping. Product manufacturers offer flanges in different sizes to accommodate the autonomic, automatic configuration of a particular breast. For nipple swells, during pumping, the mother with a larger nipple may find that a standard size flange is too small to accommodate both her large nipple and subsequent swelling. Mothers whose nipples are larger than 20.5mm, the size of a US nickel, may benefit from a larger sized flange. Expressed breast milk is not sterile, and therefore considerable disagreement over what constitutes an acceptable bacterial count, especially when pumping for a preterm infant. Many factors play a part in determining the bacterial level, including nipple cleaning, hand washing, collection techniques, type of pump, feeding method for preterm infant, clean pump cleaning routines, and gestational age of infant. Some bacteria will always be present and are non-pathogenic. Healthy term infants can tolerate some pathogens and relatively high levels of pathogenic bacteria. By comparison, Preterm or high-risk infants may be at greater risk from the same levels of bacterial presence. Electronic breast pumps with multiple users are associated with greater infection risks and healthcare facilities must take necessary precautions to prevent contamination. Colostrum and breast milk inhibit bacterial growth at different rates in both full-term and preterm milk. Milk storage guidelines and practices differ depending on healthcare of the infant. Mothers who choose to discontinue pumping for their hospitalised infants often cite insufficient milk collection as the primary reason and complain that pumping is too consuming. Mothers pumping for hospitalised infants need much clinical encouragement and emotional support to increase, to ease embarrassment and frustration and gain an understanding of the significance of collecting breast milk for their hospitalised infant. Breast pumps are considered to be medical devices by the FDA and as such are regulated within the FDA's Centre for Devices and Radiological Health. This government agency maintains a medical product re reporting programme to report problems with breast pumps and it, as encountered by consumers and clinicians. The issue of mothers selling and buying used breast pumps remains pertinent. The FDA advises that certain risks are presented by breast pumps that are reused by different mothers if the devices are not properly cleaned and sterilised. It is not recommended that a pump is labelled as a single-user pump to be reused or resold. Common pumping problems include sore nipples, low milk yield, 
erratic or delayed milk ejection reflux, dwindling milk supply over a long term course of pumping. An erratic or delayed milk ejection reflux can have an overwhelming impact on effective milk expression. A mother's negative feelings about pumping, such as embarrassment, tension, fear of failure, pain, fatigue and anxiety can inhibit the neurochemical pathways required for milk ejection. When a clinician knows a mother's feelings and attitudes about pumping, guidelines can be individually created for her specific situation. Early nipple shields generated poor outcomes. The thickness of material created a barrier that prevented the mother from feeling her baby at the breast and inhibited milk transfer. Nipple shields fell into disfavour when the ramifications of their use were recognised as destructive to the course of lactation and risky to the health of the baby. More beneficial outcomes are associated with the use of ultra-thin silicone nipple shields. The use of all other types of nipple shields, including latex, is not recommended. Critical assessment and continuous follow-up by a skilled lactation consultant is essential when these devices are employed. Babies who otherwise may have been unable to breastfeed have benefited from the judicious use of this tool. Nipple shields can therapeutically support oral stimulation not provided by the mother's nipples, create a nipple shape in the infant's mouth and allow extraction of milk by expression with minimal suction. With negative pressure inside the shield keeping the milk available, the shield may compensate for a weak infant suck, present a stable nipple shape that is retained during pressures, pauses in sucking bursts, and maintain the nipple in a protruded position and impact the rate of milk transfer. The disadvantages of nipple shields include their use as a substitute for skilled care or quick fix. The use of these devices may lead to insufficient milk volume, inadequate weight gain and weaning, and a nipple shield addiction after which the baby will not feed without a shield in place. They may also predispose the nipple to damage when the baby is put to the breast without the shield, as he may chew rather than suckle. The proper side of the nipple shield may be used. The teat height should be not exceed, exceed the length of the infant's mouth and from a juncture of the hand and soft palate's lip closure. The base diameter should fit the mother's nipple. The better results occur with the shortest teat height and the smallest base diameter. Breast shells are two-piece plastic devices worn over the nipple and areola to prevent to avert flat or inverted nipples. Historically, these shells were called nipple glasses and were used to protect a mother's clothes from leaking milk, or if used, the mother had too much milk. Milk collected in the shells must be discarded due to potential bacterial growth. Historically, when worn prenatally, breast shells were designed to create a constant gentle pressure around the base of the inverted nipple and were thought to release adhesions anchoring the nipple. Research has since shown that little correlation of the nipple protracted nipple actually happens prenatally. Although breast shells have been used to provide air circulation around sore nipples and to keep a bra from adhering to the nipple, most clinicians today seldom recommend these devices. Designed to supplement feedings at the breast, feeding tube devices may enable many mothers and babies to breastfeed when they would otherwise have had to use an alternative feeding method without the baby at the breast. Feeding tube devices consist of a container to hold milk or formula and a length of thin tube that runs from the container to the mother's nipple. The tube is secured in a place where, with a non-allergenic tape. The use of a feeding tube device is indicated for babies with weak, disorganised or dysfunctional sucking. A partial list of 
candidates for such feeding includes those babies who are preterm, hypotonic, hypotonic, babies who have Down syndrome, cardiac problems, nipple preference, neurological impairment, or cleft lip or palate, infants and infants who have experienced prenatal, perinatal asphyxia, low, slow or no weight gain or weight loss due to ineffective sucking. The feeding tube device is useful in maternal situations such as adoptive nursing and for mothers who are relactating or have undergone breast surgery, suffer from primary lactation insufficiency, have severe nipple trauma, are suffering from an illness or are undergoing surgery or hospitalisation. With finger feeding, a mother places the tube on the pad of her index finger which, or whichever finger is closest and assigns incised to her nipple. The baby draws the finger into his mouth and with correct suckling causes the milk to flow. This method also allows the father or other caregiver to feed the baby. The finger feeding can also be used to take the edge off the baby's hunger before putting him to the breast and to help transition a baby to nursing at the breast. When a feeding tube is employed, the clinician must closely follow the progress in a short and long term use. Risks of Use include addiction to the device by the clinician, mother and or baby. The mother and or baby should be weaned from the device as quickly as is appropriate. Healthcare professionals must judiciously, judiciously use devices and other technologies that are designed to aid in breastfeeding. As with all care, the use of breastfeeding device of any kind must be found to do no harm. There is... Thereafter, its benefits must outweigh the risks it represents for breastfeeding, for the breastfeeding relationship to be truly supported.